both sit down and have a serious conversation and say, this is hurting you and I love you too much and you are not going to have my company if you keep this stuff up. It's hating what is evil. It's stepping in between. It's being a mediator. We need to always hate evil. And that's tough. And that's why love is a choice. Romans 12, 9 through 13. 9 through 13. So as we are looking there this morning, we are going to be considering genuine charity. I'd like to just read, if everybody would follow along with me, it says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. So there are three contexts of love. Three that are spoken of in the book of Romans. So far in the book, the word has been used nine times. I'm sure there are probably not very many that have been keeping count of this, but we should. Look back through and check me once you get home. Make sure that I'm telling you the truth. This is very important. Better yet, look in your Bible right now. I'm going to show you exactly where I came up with this idea. It's not something new. So nine times this has been shown so far, all right? excuse me, ten times, nine times is about the love God has for us. So nine out of ten times that we've seen it is about the love of God for us. So in the book of Romans, ten uses of the word love, nine of those are about God's love for us. They look like this. Romans 1-7, to all of those in Rome who are, say those three words with me, loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 4 through 5 says, And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. You all see that? Romans 5, 8, my favorite verse in the whole Bible. But God shows his, what? Love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Again, more on God's love for us. Romans 8.37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who, what's it say? Loved us. Very good. Romans 9.13 says, as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Romans 9.25, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one, who is not my loved one. Romans 9.25, as far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. So, of all those, those ten times, nine times God's love for us, only one time in all of those is about our love for God. 
only one. It's in Romans 8.28. You all remember that. And we know that for those who, what's it say? Love God. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So, so far we've been talking about what? God's love for us, right? We have one time where we've talked about our love for God. And now what are we moving on to? We are moving on to our love for one another. Our love for one another. I will do that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell him heaven's going to be great. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to talk about our love for one another. Wouldn't you figure a book to the church that this would kind of be where we would start? But it's not. It's not. It's important that Paul goes to great lengths to tell us about God's love for us. And I'm going to explain that in greater detail in just a moment. So now we move into our talking about our love for one another. And the question that we all will ask this morning is, what is required of our love for one another? Because there is a requirement. But before we get there and talk about how we are to love one another, first we have to answer a question. What is love? Right? What is love? What is it? Well, we have lots of different definitions. It's a feeling, right? It's the way I feel about someone. It's the way I feel about something. That's not true. It's not true because we say we love our dog and we say we love our spouse. And give me an amen. We are definitely not saying the same thing. Amen? Not at all. We say we love chocolate. That's right. We say we love our spouse. We say we love our children. We say we love chocolate. We're not saying the same thing. So what is love? What is biblical love? One of my favorite preachers, he's actually, he would be my pastor, is Vadi Bakum. He says this, love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. I'm going to say that one more time really slow because this is antithetical to the society that we live in. Love is an act of the will. Meaning what? You choose to do it. Accompanied by emotion. Not driven by emotion, accompanied by, that leads to action on behalf of its object. So love isn't a feeling, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's interesting, because when we think about love, we always think about hearts, and we always think about Cupid, and we always think about true romance, and we think of this idealistic, you know, (laughs) this idealistic image that we have in all of our heads of what love is, and it always has something to do with romance. It always has something to do with feelings. It always has something to do with the knots in our stomach. That's not love. That's not biblical love. So the first word for love we see in this passage is used in the New Testament 106 times. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 9, let Love be genuine. Some of your translations may say, let love be authentic. Some of your translations may say, let love be without hypocrisy. This word love is used 106 times in the New Testament. Any Greek scholars out there know what the Greek word is for love used here? It is agape. The Greek word is agape. And it literally 
It literally is love by a choice. So I've heard lots of definitions of this, and and I I have looked this up before several times. And what's interesting about this is we always see God's agape love, and we talk about how we should love each other with God's agape love, and we see it as this as this big and this and this kind of mystic thing that you can't really describe or define. But that's not love at all. It's love by choice. This is biblical love. So what's it say? It says in the verse, let love be genuine. Now that's the ESV. I like the way the NASB reads it. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Now just a a note on uh, scholarly exegesis here, a note on the wording. They're saying exactly the same thing, all right? Love being genuine and love being without hypocrisy, love being authentic, they're saying the same exact thing. This is what we're looking at. Now, before we go any farther, we need to just tighten this in just a hair more. Let's get our crosshairs on where we want to hit. I want everyone to first notice the word let. Let. What exactly? You ever notice when you're reading through your Bible how many times the word let is there? Look it up in your concordance. You're going to find it's there more often than you'd like to underline. Can I get an amen? We would have holes in our Bible if we did. Let is a very, very important word. Why is that? Because let implies to us a resistance. Very, very, very important. Whenever we see the word let in the scriptures, it is signifying to us that there is a natural resistance. So, This is not natural love that we're talking about. Natural love that we're talking about, especially in today's society, is this ooey-gooey, warm feeling, you know, this, this internal like, oh, she loves me, she loves me not. This is what we're looking at. This is not biblical love. Biblical love is, is truly a choice. It's something that we need to decide to do. That is biblical love. So what always happens is we always have a picture in our mind of a wedding, and we should, because a wedding is all about love. Can I get an amen? All about love. And we see these two people walk up to the front. We see them dressed to their best. And I can think about images in my head of people that I've married and uh, just how how warm a time it is and how wonderful a time it is. And at the front, they both make vows. And the vows literally are a perfect image of the biblical word love. It's interesting because we always hear uh, 1 Corinthians quoted there and, and, and they read out love. And love is everything 1 Corinthians says it is, but they never throw the full thrust. This is something you need to continue to choose to do every single day. Every day. The idea of the Greco-Roman love has ruined our societal definition of love because it is unbiblical. So the feelings that you feel when you're first at the altar, when you first go up to get married, they may or may not remain for a long time. Everyone knows this. Because love is something that we choose to do and we choose to continue to do. We have this picture in our head of Cupid. Cupid goes out and he shoots someone with an arrow and bang, they're in love. And they're going to remain in love forever. Until, well, I got hit with another one of Cupid's arrows and I love someone else. Love is an act, remember. 
It's an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. So love is not the emotion that leads us. Love is a choice. Love is always a choice. It always is. This is biblical love. So if we have in our minds this picture of Cupid shooting people with arrows, throw that away. That is Looney Tunes, cartoon stuff from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. We need to get that out of our heads. That's not love. Love is, has always been, and will always be a choice. So it's the goal of the Christian to allow our love for one another to be genuine. So literally, this is something that we choose. We can choose to be fake about our love, or we can choose to be real about our love. We can choose to be unauthentic, or we can choose to be authentic. The Bible calls us to let, or we could also say, allow our love for one another to be real. To be real. And we can't add all the Greco-Roman, well, I feel, stuff to it. I feel messages are all over the internet. They're all over interviews. Well, I just feel like, well, I feel, well, I, I think, oh, I feel like, well, my heart of hearts, I feel good for you. We need truth, not feelings. Love is hard. Love is hard. It isn't always hard, but we know at times it is. So we can't let all this, well, I feel stuff into it and just... One more thing on that note. This means that every verse we have seen so far about God's love for us means he is choosing to love you. Let that sink in for just a second. God isn't just this energy, this force out there, and we're just being struck by what we perceive to be love. God has chosen to love you. He chooses to place his affection upon you. We have no reason, no rhyme that we can throw out there and say, well, God loves me because it's not there. God loves you. Why? Because he wants to. Because he wants to love you. Isn't that amazing? It changes the context of every single verse in the Bible where we see this word used because it is God's choice. God has chosen in all of your faults, all of your errors, all of my faults, all of my errors, let's include me too, in all of our faults, all of our errors, all of our thoughts which are offensive to him, he's chosen to love us. All of the acts that I've done that are completely and totally against him, against his will, against what he would have me to do, he chooses to love me. So how does love have the ability to be authentic? This is something I preach about quite a bit in this church, and I would no matter where I am. It's through choices. Choices are vitally important. They're vitally important. Your love is genuine through how you choose to express it, through how you choose to act on it. Romans 12, 9-13, let love be, what's that word, everyone? Genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. I want everyone to notice something here, something really vitally important to our love being authentic. Hate what is evil. Hate it. Hate it. 
Does this mean that you hate the person who is doing evil? All God's people said, no. All God's people said, no. You hate the evil. You hate it. If you and I are not making choices, conscious choices, every single day to hate what is evil, we will foster artificial love. Let's think about that just for a second. This is important. If you have a friend or family member that is doing something harmful to their body, and you're just loving them through it, you're not loving them. Not. If one of our friends or family is doing something unbiblical, unethical, they are taking part of it and, and in it, and we know this, and we do nothing about it, that is not loving. Not loving. Well, I tried to love him through it. That's not helpful. Not helpful at all. We need to hate that evil. Do something about it. If we love the person and love the things that they are taking part in and say nothing about it, we are fostering artificial love because we say, well, you know, Bill's got a problem with this, but I just love him through it. Just, just, just waiting for it to pass. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just loving him through it, you know. How about pull the needle out of his arm? How about sit down and have a serious conversation and say, this is hurting you and I love you too much and you are not going to have my company if you keep this stuff up. It's hating what is evil. It's stepping in between. It's being a mediator. We need to always hate evil. And that's tough. And that's why love is a choice. Because you need to choose to do this. You and I need to choose to hate that thing enough to do something about it. Not only hating what is evil, and this is not the opposite of it, all right? It's loving and holding fast to what is good. If you and I are not making conscious choices every day, to hold fast to what is good, or if we compromise on goodness, we will foster artificial love. I've always said this, and, and this, is, this is so true. When we are in relationships with people and something strikes and we are hurt or harmed or things are not going well, you truly find out in those moments who your real friends are. You really do. You truly find out who actually loves you because they make a choice they make a choice to step in and to love what is good and not compromise and this is not always lived out in the way where we are you know reaching out and saying well this thing i love about you sometimes something really really good is going on in someone's life and we need to be more fired up about it and hold fast to that and love that thing and if we don't we are fostering artificial love and we can't have that it goes on to say this in romans 12 10 love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor this is a different word here this is only used six times in the new testament and it means a family-like intimacy because here's the truth you choose your friends amen some friends that you and I have had throughout our lives are not our friends anymore. Amen? But your family, still your family. They're still there, even though it stinks. Even though you're far away from them, you may not even speak. They're still your family. You still have a tie to them. It's a family-like intimacy. And this is what this word means. This is the way that we are called to love one another. How do we do it? By not being slothful in zeal. 
Some people are just willing to sit on their hands and do nothing for anyone or about anything. This is not what we're called to do. We are called to literally be people zealous. We really got to be on this, on this love, on these relationships, fervent in spirit. We have to be on fire for people and serve the Lord. You know, it's amazing because every single time we see the word worship, we always assume it means Sunday morning. We always assume it means the songs we sing. And it does. And Sunday morning is included. And the songs we sing are included. But literally, we have this idea that's crept into our thinking throughout the past, you know, probably 40, 50 years in the Pray the Prayer movement where we believe that Jesus died on a cross because people were going to ask him into their hearts. And you never hear any of the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, or the Roman uh, authorities call him out and say, recant on asking people to ask you into their hearts. Doesn't exist. Jesus came as a king with a kingdom, as God in the flesh. And that is offensive. That is why Christ was crucified. Not because he had some spiritual plan he wanted everyone to be on. He doesn't want just part of your life. He wants how much of it? All of it. Serving the Lord means every single part of my life is going to be lived in thinking of what he thinks of it. And considering what Christ wants me to do. We can't love one another if we're not doing that. This is why a biblical worldview is so important. Rejoice in hope. Literally, being joyful in the hope that we have. Yes, as a church, we may be facing struggles. Things may be difficult. A friend may be going through hard times, but we rejoice because there are better and brighter days ahead. This is not some stupid optimism. This is truth. This is relying on God's promises. Be patient in tribulation. We haven't really faced any tribulation yet. We have a hard time dealing with the little things that come our way that rock our boat. We need to be patient together. And notice, constant in prayer. This is telling us how to love one another authentically. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And that is what we need to do. But I want to say just one more word on this. There was a time in our nation when welfare did not exist. When there was not a need for food stamps when there was not a need for government intervention into people's lives to help them out. Why is that? Because the church was doing their job. Because the church was doing their duty to do what? Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now it has boiled down to asking someone for a cup of coffee. Why? Because there is another authority that will take care of those needs should never have been the church sat on their hands and now we have these things that are in front of us and no one even knows how to go back well the bible tells us we need to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality we as a church need to find ways to help our friends around us to meet their needs to love them james says what good is it to to say be merry and be well when you hear of someone's need and not do anything to help. What good is that? That's exactly what he says. What good is that? You know what we do? We always say, I'll pray for you. 
You have a need, I'll pray for you. You have a need for gas this week, I'll, I'll pray for you. It's amazing. I wonder how many of those prayers actually get prayed. Or how many of us are willing to not only pray, but say, God, if I can be used in this, use me. What is love? Love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. What an amazing, amazing thing. So when you go and you look and you see passages that say, for God so loved the world, God chooses, chooses to love us, chooses to set his affections upon us. He chooses these things. It's amazing. People look at their lives and they don't feel like they have much value. In Isaiah, there's a passage that says, Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. We care so much, too much, about what people think of us and not enough about what God thinks. There's not one person in your life who is laid anywhere near as much on the line as God did in Jesus Christ. We need to start looking at one another with the same eyes that God sees us through. We need to start looking at one another biblically and loving one another biblically. So you have a serious issue with this in our nation because we have a lot of people that say they're Christians and don't live that way. What is the, what is the cure for that? It's not less Bible, it's more Bible. It's not less of a Christian worldview and capitulating with culture. It's more of a biblical worldview. It's not less, you know, giving and less reaching out. It's more. It's not less acting like Jesus. It's more. Yet we seem to climb into our clamshell and hide. It's not only our call. It's our duty as Christians to love one another outdo one another in honor, to favor one another above ourselves, and to contribute to each other's needs, seek to show hospitality, hospitality, excuse me, and not be afraid to step in and intervene 